Amen. I encourage you to take God's word this morning and print a copy, electronic device. Find yourself to James chapter 1. How do I respond to God's word? I wish we could worship together every single day. I love together with God's people, with you, and give praise to God and to worship him and to share the word. So we get to do it a couple times a week, but I wish we could do it every, every day. Well, as I think about the Bible, the Bible is the best-selling book every year. Not just one year, but every single year. It's the best-selling book. And I use the word book lightly in that because this is not just any book. This is the Word of God. And as I think about the Bible, let me give you a little bit of research to show you how significant the Bible is in our country. On average in our nation, there are 50 Bibles sold every minute. And so that means there are 72,000 Bibles sold every day. And then you put that in a year time frame and there are over 26 million copies of God's Word sold in our country on average every year. That's significant. And then you take all the other bestsellers and you put the top five bestsellers together on any given year, they're generally going to average about 12 million copies. And so you just see how the Bible outpaces all of them. Over 26 million copies of God's Word sold every year. As I think about the Word of God, I think about the Gideons. I appreciate their ministry. I have a great love and heart to share the Word of God with people. One of the greatest gifts you and I can give someone, yes, is the Lord Jesus, but also is giving them a copy of the Bible that they can have in their own life. And so, Angel, I had the opportunity of giving someone a Bible just a couple of weeks ago. It was a joy to do that. I've been in countries all over the world, specifically even into Russia, and gave thousands of copies of the Bible out to people who did not have a single copy. And you would thought we had given them something worth well over a million dollars. It was priceless, I know. But imagine getting a copy of the Bible for the first time in your own life. I love giving out God's Word, but the Gideons, they've given out over two billion scriptures in their ministry. In 95 different languages in over 200 countries. The Word of God is bearing fruit literally around the world and even in our own lives. So I appreciate the Word of God and being able to preach it, but study it and, and share it with you even today. Well, I want you to turn back just for a moment from James chapter 1, but I want to look back in Psalm 119. When I look at God's Word, when I think about Psalm 119, every verse... In Psalm 119 is about the Bible. It's about the Word of God. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. And then when I look at Psalm 119, verse 105, here's what it says. Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you want to know what you need to do in life and which direction to go in life, read the Word of God. Get in God's Word and see what He says to you because it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. He will give you direction and guidance in life. Now, when I hold this Bible of mine, because I, I love holding the Word of God, this is not just the book of the month, folks. This is the book of the ages right here. This is the Word of God. It's inerrant. It's infallible. It's true. It's authoritative. Thank God for His Word that He's given us insight. Now, when you and I look at the Bible and we read the Bible, we're looking into the face of God when we do that. And here's what I mean by that. When I look into the face of God, I'm reading the Bible because this is God breathed. Is prayer important? Yes. Is reading the Word of God important? Absolutely. Well, somewhere as believers, we ought to connect the two together and learn to pray God's Word. It will take your prayer life to another level when you learn to pray the Word of God. 
Because when I look into God's word and I see what he says, it should influence what I say in life as well. As I think about the word of God, I think about Psalm 119. Again, longest chapter in the Bible. This is the book of the ages. Then I go back a little bit further back and look at the book of Ezra. And there's a passage here that drives my life and drives my ministry that I appreciate Ezra. And here's what it says in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. So it says earlier, it says, for the good hand of God was on him. What a great testimony about a person's life, the hand of God being on you. But in Ezra chapter 7 verse 10, here's what it says. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Folks, look at that. Ezra, he did what? He studied the law of the Lord, the word of God. He did it, and then he taught it to other people. Folks, that's what I want said about my life, but about my ministry. He studied the word of God. He obeyed. He did the word of God. And then he taught us the word of God in his ministry. What a great compliment about a person's life. And I would just say this to those who desire to be teachers. Never sign up to teach a class if you're first not going to study and do the Word of God. Teach the Word of God because you've studied it. Teach the Word of God because you're doing it. But study the Word of God, do the Word of God, and then teach the Word of God. And that was happening in the life of Ezra. Now, here sometimes people ask me, they're looking for a church, and to say, what kind of church should I be looking for? Here's what I say to people when you say, I'm looking for a church. What are you looking for? Look for a church that has a mission to the world. In their city, in their community, their state, their nation, but around the world. Look for a church that has a mission to the world. But also look for a church that is committed to preaching and teaching the word of God. Not entertaining people. Not tickling people's ears, stepping on toes, but teaching, preaching the Word of God. Look for a church that is serious about God's Word. And so when you look at the book of Ezra, studied it, he lived it out, and he taught it. Same thing is true in our day. Now, it's interesting when you look at other research, back to James chapter 1, you think about the Word of God, you think about it in our nation, 92% of Americans say they have a Bible. And I would say to you, if you're here this morning, you don't have a Bible, if you'll see us when you leave today, we'll make arrangements to get you a copy of God's Word. It would be one of the greatest gifts, again, outside of Christ, we could ever give you the written Word of God. But as I think about that, 92% of people say they have a Bible. It's estimated in America the average household has three. I don't know how many you have in your house. We have far more in our house than three. But, but just again, what a blessing it is to have a copy of the Word of God in life. Here's something else interesting. 66% of Americans said that the Bible answers the basic questions of life. Well, let's, let me give you a little insight. Not to 66%, but here's the truth. The Bible does answer the basic questions of life. God's Word is going to be relevant to your life and to my life. And so when you look at the Word of God, you see what James is saying here about the Bible, then James is very convicted about the Bible because he says, but be doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. What James is saying is, if you'll spend time in the Word of God, it will change every aspect of your life. So if you'll spend time every day in your life in God's Word, it's going to change your life, 
It's going to change your marriage. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your career, your decision-making, your finances. It will change every aspect of your life if you will spend time in the Word of God. Now, last week I shared, when I think about the Bible, it's a daily discipline for me to spend time in God's Word. That spiritual discipline changed, transformed my walk with Christ and my relationship with Him. Changed it. Sometimes people ask me as well, uh, when it comes to sermons, how much time do you put into sermon preparation? Again, being like Ezra, study it, live it, and then teach it. How much time do you put in sermon preparation? On average, it's about 15 to 20 hours a week on a Sunday morning sermon. I want to study it, I want to live it out, and then I want to teach it and preach it. Let me give you, let me pull back the curtain a little bit on sermon preparation for me, because when it comes to sermon preparation, there are three things I'm looking to accomplish under the Holy Spirit's leadership in every sermon I preach. Now, you may want to write these words down because you'll say, did you see them today in this message? But there are three words that you should be able to pick out every sermon I preach. Did he do those three things? Number one is explanation. Did I explain the word of God to you? Was I faithful to God's word, faithful to the text, explaining the word of God? One is explanation. Second word is application. I want to take what God's word says and apply it to our lives. Here's what God is saying to us in our day, in our time, to my life, and to my walk with him. And then the third word is illustration. I want you to be able to see the truths of God's word. Illustrations are windows into God's word, windows into a sermon. I want to make sure that I explain the word, apply the word, and illustrate the word. I seek to do that again in preparation every single sermon I preach and teach. So as we look at the word of God today, I want to encourage you to follow along on your outline because I want to give you some truths about Bible study and the importance of God's word in our lives and what God would do. Is look at number one, a necessary response is proclaimed. When you look at this text, James is saying, but be doers of the word, not hearers only. Please understand, he's not saying it's wrong to hear the word of God. To be a doer, you've got to be a hearer first. But when you hear the word, that's not the end. When you hear the word, then the next step is to do the word of God. And so he's going to give us two insights here on how to respond to God's word. Look at the first one. Learn the truth. Now, please understand the word truth. You're going to see that in both of these statements. Learn the truth. But what is the word truth? The truth means we can rest assured today that the Bible is true. From Genesis to Revelation, God's word is true. It is accurate. It is authoritative. It is true. I was sitting in a, in a New Testament class one time at a secular university. The professor was teaching. She made the statement in the class that the Bible was filled with errors. And, and so I sat there. I wanted to be competitive. didn't want to put her on the spot. And so I thought, okay, God, how do I respond to her? And so here's how the Holy Spirit led me. We had a break, and I went up to her, and I wanted to be polite, but I also wanted to be very convictional. And so I just said to her, I said, I heard what you said earlier about the Bible, having some errors in it, not being true, having mistakes. And I just, and I just literally held out like that. I said, if you can show me where they are, that would be wonderful. Silence in her life. She couldn't do it. And so, but understand, there's not errors in the Bible. The Bible is true. 
So one is learn the truth. And here's what I mean by that. I want you to write these things down here in just a moment because this can change the way you listen to a sermon, change the way you engage in a Bible study, change your daily devotion time. But I want you to get this because when you listen to a sermon, you attend a Bible study, or you engage in a daily devotion, you should be asking yourself these three questions every single time. Here they are. They're not on the outline, but here are the questions. Okay, God, I just heard a sermon, just attended a Bible study, just had a daily devotion. Here are the three questions. God, what are you saying in the original context? What did James mean? What does this verse mean in its original context? Those who heard his message first, what does it mean? Second question. God, what are you saying to me now? What did it mean to the original hearers? But God, what are you saying to me now? How does this relate and apply to my life? And the third question is, God, what do you want me to do with the truths that I know? Those three questions will change the way you listen to sermons, attend Bible studies, and even do daily devotions. God, what are you saying in the original context? What are you saying to me? And then God, what do you want me to do as a result of the truths that I know? Those things will change your life. You learn the truth. That's what James is saying. Be doers of the word, not hearers only. Look at number two. Live the truth. So you learn it. So you know what God said in the context. You know what he's saying to you. Then you live it out. You apply it to your life and you commit to living it. So when you study the Bible, you listen to a sermon, you go to a connect group, you have a daily devotion, then here's what's going to happen in your life. You're going to live these things out. Then the word of God, you're going to apply it to your life. It's going to guard your relationships. Why? Because his truth is going to relate to you. It also means you're going to be engaged in reaching people who are outside of relationship to Christ because you're doing the word. You're going to come before a holy God and you're going to worship him in spirit and in truth because those are the kind of worshipers he's seeking. You're living out the word of God. It's going to affect the way you give. You're not just going to try to tip God. You're going to give God your life and give him everything about you. It's going to affect your priorities. Why? Because you want to make sure Jesus is first in your life. Seek first the kingdom of God in life. So when you learn the truth and you live the truth, it changes your life and your walk with Jesus. That's what James is saying. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, not deceiving yourselves. So let me ask you, are you listening to the word of God as an aggressive listener are you listening to the Word of God, but are you doing the Word of God in your life? Again, it's not enough to hear that we've got to be able to say, God, okay, I've heard your Word, but here's how I'm going to live it out in my life. Are you doing those things? Now, I've given you five statements here that I want you to walk right down and, and walk away with because here's the thing. You and I are going to have to overcome some things when it comes to hearing what God says. And these are going to relate to you and me, probably even in this room and those who are watching even today. These things relate to us. What causes us to miss what God is saying? God, I just didn't hear. I just didn't see, so I didn't obey. What are some of those things? One is a busy schedule. There are times in life you and I get so busy that, that we simply do not have time for the Word of God. And so we don't hear what God says because we're not spending time in the Word Guard your life against a busy schedule. It's possible there are people in this room, there are people who are watching. 
you haven't been engaged with much that's going on in this room already in worship. Why? Because you are so busy, you're so distracted, your mind is thinking about all the things you've got to do this week. I just challenge you, slow the pace of your life down. And to say, God, I don't want to be so busy that I miss what you want to say to me in life. You're going to have to overcome a busy schedule. Number two, a sinful life. There are times that you're going to find God in your life that the finger of conviction of God is on your life. He's showing you an area or two of your life that's disobedient to him, that's sinful to him, and he wants you to confess that, repent of that. He wants to change your life, but you are ignoring the conviction of God. As a result, it is limiting what you're hearing God say to you. I just plead with you today. Watch your schedule, the pace of your life. But if the finger of conviction is on your life from the Holy Spirit, confess that sin, repent of that sin, get right with God again. Why? So that you can hear him speak into your life. God has a word for you. Look at the third one, the selfish agenda. It's possible that we come before God and we say, God, I'm going to relate to you on my terms and not yours. As a result, we miss hearing what God has to say. Folks, we don't relate to God on our terms. We relate to God on his terms. God, what do you want to do in my life? What do you want to say in my life? What do you you want to change about my life? God, it's about you and not about me. We relate to God on his terms, not ours. Be careful about a selfish agenda when you come to the word of God. Number four, a narrow expectation. Here's what I mean by that. You say, God speaks to everybody else in life, but he never speaks to me. No, when you open the pages of God's word again, you're looking into the face of God. He wants to speak into your life. Don't come with a narrow expectation. Expect God to say something to you and your life and to those around you. And then number five is a preparation void. One of the things that I seek to do in my life on a consistent basis, I come back to Psalm 119 again and come to verse 18, and the psalmist just said this, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. Sometimes there's a preparation void because you've never asked God to open your eyes or your ears to the truths of his word. When you come to a sermon, to a Bible study, You come to a daily devotion. I just encourage you, pray Psalm 119, verse 18. God, open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. God, show me what you want me to know, what you want me to do as a result of my time in your word. It will change your life. So when it comes to the word of God, he says, I want you to be doers and not hearers only. Look at number two, a negative reaction is possible. Let's go back to James 1. Because in James 1, he comes back again. He says, again, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if, any, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he himself, he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Look at these two statements. Number one, God's word is a mirror. It's a mirror. It allows us to see ourselves. Now imagine this. When you look at yourself in a mirror, probably all of us did that here this morning. You look at yourself in a mirror, what it, it's, it's a reality check. Maybe you say, do I really look like this? Well, let me tell you, you really do look like that. Uh, that's what the mirror is saying. 
Here's something else that's a little more humbling than even just a mirror. Pull out your driver's license sometime. Look at that picture. That'll bless you when you look at that. And they get your face all contorted around. And you think, did you? T- yeah, I've already taken that picture. I've already moved. Really? I mean, what was I doing in that? Just look at that driver. It, it'll check you out. It, it's reality check 101 right there. But he says in this passage, you look at your face in the mirror, and then you go away and don't do anything about it. Imagine this. You get up at 6 a.m. in the morning, and you walk and you look at yourself in the mirror at 6 a.m., fresh out of bed. What's going on in your minds? Oh, my. But then you look at it and you think, well, I know here are the things I've got to do. I've got to, I've got to get, get my hair right. I've got to maybe shave or put on makeup. I've got to brush my teeth. I've got to get everything together because I've got to be out the door at a certain time. Imagine if you got up at 6 a.m. in the morning, you looked in the mirror and you saw all these things that you need to do about your life and then you walked away and didn't do any of them. And you showed up at church. You showed up in the workplace or school or wherever it may be. Imagine what that would be like. That's what James is saying. Now, he's saying this. The Word of God is a mirror. And he says, when you look at it, you're looking at yourself. And he's saying here, imagine you look at God's mirror, and then you see your own life, and imagine all the things that God is showing you. I want you to do this. I want you to turn away from this. I want to change this about your life. And then you walk away and refuse to do any of them. Imagine how the heart of God must break when you do that. And that's what he's saying. Don't be hearers only, be doers, but don't look in the mirror and then walk away and not do it. He's saying be doers of the word. So when you look into God's mirror and God shows you this is who I want you to be, this is what I want you to do, then God, I'm going to do that. I'm going to obey that. Why? Because your word is a mirror to me. Number two, God's word is a foundation. James is saying very clearly in the Christian life, the Word of God is a foundation for you. It is critical for you. So the Word of God is a foundation. Let me go back to, again, James relates very well to the Sermon on the Mount from the Gospel of Matthew. But in Matthew chapter 7, the Bible says in verse 24, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So if I ask you today, when it comes to your life, comes to your marriage, comes to your family, comes to this church, are we building our lives on the rock or on the sand? And if we're building our lives on the rock, then what? We're doing what James said. We're hearing the Word of God, but we're also doing the Word of God. They go together. It's like peanut butter and jelly. They just go together. And that's why when you hear the Word of God and you do it, that's what God expects. And so when you look at the Word, not only learn the truth, but live the truth. Why? Because God's Word is a mirror, but it's also a foundation. And imagine this again, that we look at the Word of God. And just imagine what God thinks when we look at it and we see it's a mirror, it's a foundation. Are we doing it? Imagine what God must think when we look into the mirror of God's Word and He very clearly articulates to you and me how to have a relationship to Him. It's because of Jesus Christ who lived a sinless life, died on Calvary's cross, buried in a tomb, raised on the third day. He is the only way to be saved. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Imagine how the heart of God must feel when we look into His mirror we know how to be saved but we walk away and never give our lives to Jesus as Savior happens all the time 
you hear a sermon like today, you've been in a Bible study, you open up the Word of God and it's clear that you're lost, you need to be saved, Jesus Christ is the only way to be saved, and you walk out one of these doors or you log off from your computer screen and refuse to give your life to Jesus. Imagine how that must feel to him. Imagine today in this room and watching again, we look into God's mirror and God clearly shows us what it means to give unto him. Not just stuff that we don't need or stuff that's left over or just tip him, but be generous with our lives, but also our resources. We know from God's mirror, this what God, this, here's what God says on how I should give. And we walk away and refuse to give as God expects or commands. Imagine when we look into God's mirror and he teaches us about forgiveness. Imagine what the heart of God must be like when he shows us from his mirror. We see ourselves. Here's what it means to forgive. But we still live life even on a Monday morning with anger, bitterness, and resentment to someone else who's wounded us in life. And then you look into God's mirror and he says, here's how I want you to live your life. You're my workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which I prepared in advance for you to do. He wants us to serve him. We see that in God's mirror. We're looking at it, his face, and he's teaching us that. But then we come before God and we give him all these excuses why he could never use us in the Christian life. Imagine how the heart of God must break in that. God's word is a mirror. His word is a foundation. Don't just listen to it. Do it. Build your life on the rock, not on the sand. Because the storms of life are coming. That way when the storms come and the trials come, the adversities come, you can stand strong because you've heard the word of God, you're doing the word of God, and your life is on the rock who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Number three, a natural result is promised. Interesting from James chapter 1, he gives this contrast. He ultimately gives this conditional promise to to God's people. And here's what he's saying. If you'll do this, then God's going to do this. There are unconditional promises in the Bible. God God is just going to do this. That's just who he is. That's his nature. Those are his attributes and characteristics. But in this context, James is saying, if you'll do this, then here's what God's going to do. And ultimately, James comes along and he says... But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, you're looking into the face of God and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Now, I I would get 100% yes on this, that if you lived your life and to say, do you want to be blessed of God? Yes, I want to be blessed of God. Do you want your marriage to be blessed? Yes. Do you want your family to be blessed? Yes. Do we want this church to be blessed? Well, absolutely we do. And so James is saying, if you want the blessings of God on your life, marriage, family, church, then hear the word and do the word. They go together. Do that. Now, look at these two. Number one, read the word. As I think about this, how do we find the blessings of God? We'll read the Word. And when I talk about reading the Word, it's just spend time in the Word of God every day of your life. Make it a commitment. Five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day. Read the Bible through, whatever the context may be. Be in the Word. Read the Word. It'll change your life. 
Golf Digest years ago came out with this ad. Phil Mickelson was a part of it. He was going around. There were people on the driving range practicing their golf games. Phil was going around giving people copies of Golf Digest. And Phil said this, this will help your game if you will read it. And I thought, God, what a great illustration. Phil Mickelson saying, the Golf Digest, this will help your game if you will read it. The same is true. This will change your life if you'll read it and do it, as God said. This is not about a golf game. This is about life. This is about being used of God, storing up treasures in heaven. He will change your life if you'll read the Word of God and do it. It's life-changing. Read the Word. Number two, remember the Word. This is where you just start remembering the Word of God in your life. God, I'm thinking about your Word during the day. There are times, again, I don't listen to music on the, on the, on the road very much. I just like silence in the car. Angie and I are talking together. There are times, God, I'm just thinking about a word or a principle or a phrase in Scripture. And God, what do you mean by that phrase? You're going to be blessed in your doing. What do you mean by that, God? Because I want to be blessed in my doing. So how does that relate to my life? You, you read the Word, but you remember the Word as well. Number three, you respect the Word. You respect the Word of God in your life. It is going to be key that you live your life reading it, remembering it, and respecting it. And when you respect the Word of God, you can't be silent about this book. You can write this verse down. I'm not going to have time to go to it, but Jeremiah chapter 20. Jeremiah got to a very difficult place, had some hard people in his life. Jeremiah, the prophet of God, got to the place in his life where one day he said, God, I hate the day I was born. You talk about having a bad day, folks. That's a bad day. When you look at somebody and say, I hate the day I was born. And then he said, I don't even want to proclaim the word of God anymore. And you, you, you say, well, I don't even know what. No, no, no. Most of us in this room know what it is. God, I don't really like life. And God, do I really have to preach and teach this again? We understand that because that's raw and that's real in the Christian life. But then I love what Jeremiah said. God, I hate the day I was born. All these people are evil around me. And God, do I really have to keep doing this? And then Jeremiah said, but God, I can't be silent because your word is like a fire in my bones and I cannot contain it. I can't hold it in. Folks, that, that's our lives. I mean, yes, life's going to be tough. We're going to have people who are going to come against us. God, do I really have to serve and do this? But yes, God, why? Your word's like a fire in my bones. I can't contain it within myself. I've got to do it. I've got to study it. I've got to, I've got to live it, and I've got to teach it. That's the word of God. Now, when you do those things, you read the word, you remember the word, you respect the word. Here are five results in your life as a result. Number one is intimacy. You're not going to live distant from God. You're going to live intimate with Him. Don't you want to live an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Spend time in the Word. Number two is knowledge. You want to know the will of God in your life? You get in the Word of God and He will show you His will and direction. What, Lord, your Word is a light into my path, a lamp into my feet. He will show you His will for your life. Number three is obedience. God uses people who, who hear the word and do the word. You want God to do great things in your life? Spend time in the word of God. Again, he will use you in ways beyond anything you can ask, think, or imagine. Number four, steadfastness. I promise you this. Kids, students, adults, the storms of life are coming your way. 
They're going to come. And if you're going to be steadfast and you're going to come through those storms stronger than ever, get in the Word of God and let Him develop you and disciple you and grow you. And then number five is the word equipped. You're going to be equipped to live a pure, godly life, a life that glorifies Almighty God. Isn't that the kind of life you want to live? That happens when you spend time in God's Word. I want to finish with a poem. I don't read many poems, but but I like poetry, but I want to read this poem because it's a great poem. Now, as I get ready to read this poem, let me ask you, are you hungry for the things of God or for the things of the world? And let me just say to all ages in this room and those who are watching, you can't dine at both tables either. You can't say, well, I'm hungry for the things of God and I'm hungry for the things of the world. You can't dine at both tables. That's why Joshua, in Joshua 24, verse 15 says, but as for me and my house, what we will serve the Lord. He was clear who he was going to be. It wasn't the things of the world. It was the things of God. Now, let me ask you this. If I looked at the appearance of your Bible, would that give an indication that you're spending time in God's Word? I mean, I, I, I cherish the Bible. I appreciate God's Word, and I want my Bible to be falling apart. That means I'm spending time in the Word of God. And so I love to see Bibles that are falling apart. You know why? Because it says to me, there is someone who's reading and studying and living out God's Word in life. What a blessing to see. Now, the title of this poem is My Precious Bible. Many pastors have used this over the years, and I'm just going to borrow from some of them, but it's just a great word, My Precious Bible. Here's what it says. Though the cover is worn and some pages are torn, Though places bear traces of tears. Are there any tears on the pages of your Bible? Though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book. Worn and old that can shatter and scatter all my fears when I prayerfully look into this precious old book. Many pleasures and treasures I see. Many tokens of love from my Father above who is nearest and dearest to me. This old book has been my guide. It's been a friend by my side. It has heightened and has brightened my way. And each promise that I find, it smooths and gladdens my mind. So I read it and try to heed it every day. This old book, the Bible. Now, I want you to lean in your, up in your seats. I'm going to give you these last challenges and we're going to pray and we're going to sing. When it comes to this book, the Bible, Genesis to Revelation, here's what I want to challenge you with. I want to challenge you. Turn off the television. Put down the electronics. Close the book of the month. Get off social media for a while. And use that extra time in your life to get into this book. And he will change your walk with him. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Give him your life. Give him your time. And watch him change your walk with him. Let's pray together. As we bow together again, we're going to sing. We're going to give an invitation without apology. And I just want to encourage you in this room and those who are watching. 
When you look into the face of God, you look into his mirror, that's the word, and you understand you need to be saved, don't walk out one of these doors or log off and, and refuse to give your life to Christ. Give him your life right now. I'm going to appeal to you to step up here in a moment, walk down one of these aisles, come to one of our pastoral team, one of our prayer warriors, and say, you need Jesus this morning. I'm going to encourage you, whatever platform you're watching on, just, just type to us. I need Jesus in my life. You witness a glorious baptism? I just encourage you to follow Jesus Christ in baptism if you're a believer. Say yes to him. Say to others, Jesus Christ has changed my life. Join in the fellowship of the church. I look into God's mirror. The church matters. The church is important. You need the fellowship of a church, a church that has a mission to the world and preaches and teaches God's word. Join this church today. And then I just want to encourage you, maybe you come back to confession. God, I've looked into the mirror and I've done nothing about it. And God, today I need to confess that. A child, student, adult, I need to obey you. Hear the word, do the word. Because Jesus paid it all. Father, we love you and adore you. Thank you that Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. And so this morning as we hear the word, oh, Father, help us to be doers of the word. I pray there'll be decisions privately and publicly today all over this worship center. Those who are watching online, literally from countries around the world, will say yes to Jesus Christ to say, I heard what he said to me, and now I'm going to live it out. I'm going to do it. And God, we'll give glory to you, all the praise to go to you, but help us to be faithful to you because Jesus paid it all, and we want to be faithful to follow you. And so I pray this today in Jesus' name.